There are numbers counting and up. You're being recorded. I am being recorded. Uh oh. Okay, so from <laughs> from this first slide, you can tell we're talking about intimacy today. Yay. Yay. Who thinks? Huh? What does that mean? What does that mean? So intimacy. I don't have a dictionary definition. Intimacy is like closeness. Um. So yeah. Closeness, that's the best kind of word, I think. So when you're really close to someone, so a lot of the times, who thinks about sex when I say the word intimacy? And you put it there, next I only thought you said it on the screen. Okay, so <laughs> this is what a lot of people think, that intimacy is like, you only have intimacy when you, you know, you're having sex and it's this part of that. And you know, sex is intimate by nature, um, but... Just, I've got a lot of material. We're going to go through a lot of stuff. We're going to go through it quickly because I don't have much time. Um, and you might be surprised by where we're going with this. So, like, stay with me. We're going on a journey. Let's go. What do I do? It's not working. Technical support coming through. Okay, so I can start talking to you. Um, okay, so we... So we are, when we don't understand something or we want to know what God thinks about something, so we know that, shh, thank you, we know that the world says that intimacy is only when you have sex, but we want to know what God says, so we go to the Bible. So we are going to be looking at 1 Kings, and just to kind of give you a bit of um, preamble, so at the beginning of 1 Kings, David, who was king, is dying, and um he basically, you know, his son is going to take over as king, so Solomon. And Solomon comes and kind of part of David's last dying words, like his, you know, his last input of, you know, my son, this is the most important thing in life. You know, that kind of, it's that kind of spiel that he's given his son. Um, he says to obey God and to walk in his ways. And that is really crucial. And that's something that we're going to talk about further. So I just want you to realise, like, it was so important to David that his son be walking in God, in the ways of God. Okay. So, what do I do now? Just press the arrow again. Great. Yay! Thank you. I know how to click a button. Okay, so I'm going to read this through. So um, the passage we're going to be looking at is 1 Kings 3, 4 to 14. Why am I hearing people talking? I will read it to you. Okay. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, the king now being uh, Solomon. Uh, for it was the most high, most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, ask for whatever you want, want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. He's talking about himself in the third person. A little bit weird, but we continue. Uh, <laughs> now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in, his, in place of my father David, for I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the, pe the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Uh, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. 
So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administrating justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honour, so that in your lifetime you will have no equals among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you long life. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? It's a pretty incredible encounter with God. So one, a couple of things I want to highlight from this is Solomon worships God first. He praises God. He says, you know, you have shown great kindness. You, you know, you were there with my father. Um, and he also recognises who God is. He says, he declares who God is. And that is so important when we're coming to God for anything. Worshipping him helps us helps us understand who he, who he is and who we are. So he's also recognising who he is, and he's not trying to, you know, put himself down and saying, I'm only a little child and I don't know what to do, you know. He's being humble in this moment, um, and we need to recognise this. Um, so, yeah. I have a question. Quickly. Um, what, how old was Solomon in this? Like, was he actually like a child? Was he like a 20-something who just said, I am a little no idea, but good question. We'll find out. Okay. Uh, was this a dream? No. It was. It was a dream. It, was a dream. it says, oh. and then he woke up and realised it had been. That's why, because no. Yes, it does. It was just because Nathan showed me, and I, I didn't know if it might have been like an error or yeah. something. Yeah. It's still an encounter with God. Anyway, we digress. Um, so God is pleased with this. Like it states, God was pleased that Solomon had asked this. Like, God's happy, which is awesome. Um, because this is the relationship that God wants with people. He wants a relationship where people go to him and say, help me, and you are the best person for this. You know, you have put me in place, but I need you. I need your wisdom. Um, and also, not only does he say, I'm pleased with what you've said, and I will give it to you, he also then goes on to bless Solomon. He says he will give him wealth and he will give him a long life and that's what god does to us as well he blesses us he doesn't just give us the bare minimum he sh he's showing us his character his abundant love for us we just don't grasp how much god loves us um but we can see it here um also so god doesn't just kind of wave a magic wand or you know give us everything we want um with god it's not about getting from point a to point b you know god i want to be a great king there you go, you're a great king. Um, he gives us something that's so much better that sometimes we don't really want. Uh, it's a relationship with him, the opportunity to ask him for things. We have a direct link to God. And we don't always see how great this is because we live in a world where it says what you want is to get from point A to point B and as quick as possible. And it's not about the journey, but with God it is. It's about our hearts. It's about, you know trusting him and the whole walk in his ways to walk is a verb wow. check me out thank you thank you very much i went to school um it's a it's a it's a doing thing it's not you know he didn't just say there's your wisdom it's no walk in my ways 
continue to ask me for my wisdom, do life with me, and yeah, do it, not just done, not past thing. Uh, and the other thing I just want to point out is that in Proverbs 9 verse 10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And this is what Solomon is showing. The fear of the Lord is recognising who God is and putting him in his right place. And this is exactly what Solomon does. So we're now going to watch a video. Yeah. And Ashley's going to help me. King Solomon was the wisest ruler that Israel ever had. And there are three books in the Hebrew scriptures connected to him. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Songs. They pass down the legacy of Solomon's wisdom, but in a surprising way. So let's talk about how to read the books of Solomon. Okay, to really appreciate the story of Solomon's wisdom, we have to go back to the Garden of Eden. Where God created humanity, male and female. Right, Adam and Eve. And God commissions them to rule the world together in intimacy and love. Kings and queens of creation. Now, in order to rule, you need to be wise. And the humans have a choice about how to gain wisdom. Yeah, they could live by God's wisdom, which will lead to life. Or they could become wise in their own eyes. And that's what they choose, to take the knowledge of good and bad into their own hands. And immediately, the intimacy between man and woman is broken. They hide their bodies from each other, and then from God. Their choice leads to division and death. But the story holds out hope for a future human who will make the right choice and rely on God's wisdom. Like King Solomon, he prayed that God would give him the knowledge to know good from bad so he could rule with true wisdom. Exactly. He reverses the failure of Adam and Eve, and it leads to abundance. In Solomon's day, every Israelite sat in peace under their own fruit tree. Oh, it's like he's creating Eden. Well, for a while. But then Solomon fails. He marries hundreds of women from other nations, and he's deceived to follow their gods. And this begins Israel's long descent into self-destruction. And so when we turn to the books of Solomon, we're invited to learn wisdom from his successes and his failures. Got it. So let's start with Proverbs. Okay. I did that. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of information in that, and I would recommend you to go to the Bible Project um, podcast and videos from YouTube because they're really helpful in like getting the context of the Bible. And to, there's a lot of information in just that one video. Um, so go back and have a look. But just to kind of summarise quickly, um, thinking about the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve chose to gain wisdom themselves. Uh, instead of trusting God and using his wisdom. Um, and this behaviour breaks intimacy, not just between each other, but between God. Sin comes in, and sin divides us. And they were talking about a future human there, and yes, it did point to you know Solomon being this example, but the real ultimate you know, future human was Jesus. You know, Solomon failed ultimately. But Jesus didn't. Jesus comes and he fixed everything for us and he made a way for us to have the intimacy and the relationship with God that we are able to have now. So, let's break some myths. So, you might think that intimacy is only for marriage. 
I'm going to jump around. Sorry. Um, so we saw in the clip that Adam and Eve had an intimate relationship. And we need to understand that intimacy isn't this narrow. It's not just about... Um, yeah, God, in, in Genesis, God says it wasn't good for the man to be alone, but he wasn't just talking about a romantic relationship. And we know from our theme last term, which was... In what? what? Yeah, so community is basically what God was getting at. Like, it's not good for the man to be alone, not because he needs a spouse, but because he needs community with other people. Um, and Adam and Eve didn't just have an intimate relationship with each other, they had an intimate relationship with God. You know, we see in Genesis that God was walking in the garden and we can understand that that was probably a daily routine for God um, to spend some time with his created beings. Um, and community is not just being in the same place as each other, but it's about sharing life with them. So if you think about marriage is doing life with another person, we are told we are supposed to be doing that life with people, whether we're single or we're married, you know, <laughs> we need people. It's 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 sharing things with them, supporting each other, allowing people to support you, um, and we need to have intimate relationships within our communities. And just because we're talking about marriage, uh, when I was at youth, my youth leaders told me this, and I didn't particularly like hearing it, but it was really important, and so I'm going to pass it on to you. And I'm sorry if you don't like hearing it. Um, do I strongly recommend you not getting into relationships, romantic relationships, until you are ready to get married? If, if you are going to get married, because I don't think it's what God wants for you. I don't I think God wants, it's such a serious thing to be in a romantic relationship. And God doesn't want you to be hurt. There are, there are things that God says, you know, walking in his ways means trusting in his ways. Um, and yeah, from experience as well, I ignored that advice and I got into relationships and it just brought heartache. And sometimes it took me away from God and that is not what God wants from, from, didn't want for me and he doesn't want for you guys. So apologies, but please retain that information. Next myth, you cannot have intimacy without sex. Um, so kind of partly about what I just said, uh, walking in God's ways means listening to him and trusting in him, and that can be hard. Um, he might say things, there might be things in the Bible that we struggle to hear. Um, so Christians believe that sex is in the context of marriage, it's for the context of marriage, and that marriage is between a man and a woman. And that can be really difficult to get our head round, but that is walking in God's ways. Um, and the world tells, might tell you that you're missing out if you're not having sex. And this is just so not true. Um, I'm going to go on about talking about intimacy and friendships. Um, but yes, God created sex. And yes, that is a wonderful thing. But God, an intimate relationship with God is the goal. <laughs> it's not about having intimate relationships with each other, um, ultimately. And, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, intimate relationships, uh, intimate friendships don't exist. They do exist, and they should exist. And a marriage is not just 
a friendship with sex. It's different. And um, marriage in like fictional films and other things like that is kind of portrayed as easy. You know, this perfect match that you find and suddenly you're complete. And, oh, Disney <laughs> films, let's sing about our love. Um, <laughs> But it's not, it is work, and I can say that even though I'm not in a marriage, like, I understand that marriage is work, and both marriage and being single are gifts from God, and it kind of, it's sometimes quite difficult for us to get our head around, like, to marriage as, like, a thing that happens, and it's kind of a, it's like an extra sometimes, it feels like, uh, whereas single is, like, the default, and that's just not true, like, being, being single allows you, so, like, the book that we're going, we're using this term called The Plausibility Problem um, and other writings from single Christians basically explain how being single means that they can have a freedom, a different kind of freedom to have different kind of friendships, like really deep friendships and be a, be a part of different people's lives for different things. And so they're both... They are both gifts from God, even if it doesn't feel like it. Um, and you guys are the perfect age to start thinking about your friendships, like focus on your friendships. Like I'm saying, none of you are ready to get married, quite frankly. <laughs> so let's focus on friendship and podlings. What are we doing in pod this term? True friendship. Reading a book that I asked Ashley to get out for me and I didn't even bring it. If you want to read it, read it. It's only a short book, but it's all about how friendship is crucial and close and, and what true friendship is. Um, and it's awesome. So this is really important. Um, Hattie, quickly with your question. Yeah, no, true friendship. Um, the intimacy with friendships, how would you describe that intimacy? Like, what's the... Because obviously not... Yes. Yeah. So... This is this? <laughs> what do you mean? Put your foot down. <laughs> no, Sorry. intimacy with friend in friendship is... It's sharing... Is it like a trust thing? It's a trust thing. It's sharing things with each other. So, actually, you know, we as a youth team are purposely seeking out, building closer, intimate relationships with each other, sharing how our walks with God are going, sharing about our lives, and discussing things and talking about things and praying for each other and allowing each other to be a part of each other's lives. And that is so good. That's what intimacy and friendship is. Yeah, does that answer your question? Great. Um, <clears throat> so, quickly, because I'm running out of time. So, the two Solomons. So, as you heard a bit in the video, there was the Solomon that was wise and trusted God and was walking in his ways, and then things went a bit pear-shaped. So, the first Solomon, you know, he asked wisdom, he was walking with God, um, and then a woman called Bathsheba, who was queen. She's queen. What do you mean the queen of Sheba? The queen of Sheba. <laughs> <laughs> Bathsheba was a different... Bathsheba was his mother. <laughs> the queen of Sheba! <laughs> You're going to check it now. The queen of Sheba came... We, we see in the Bible she came to test uh, Solomon. And we can read testing... In the way that I first read it, it was like she's come to ask him a lot of questions to kind of see how wise he actually is. But that's kind of quite a surface level. So when the Bible talks about testing, it's not, you know, are you going to pass or fail? 
It's about gauging someone so God will test us to gauge our heart on things because that's what God cares about, where our heart is, what our character is like. So when we, when we read it, we're supposed to kind of read it and kind of go, oh no, this woman's come along and she's going to be testing and talking like, oh, she's going to be gauging where his heart is. Are things going to happen between them? Is it like, oh, oh no. <laughs> um, that's how we're supposed to read it. Like That's how the, the biblical author had written it. Um, and then we get to breathe a huge sigh of relief because what they end up doing is worshipping God. Yay! So, like, how awesome is that? Like, this woman comes and it's like, oh no, what's going to happen? And his heart is so towards God that she sees how wise he is because he's followed God. And he's like, she's like praising God and then he praises God and it's just beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. But then God, uh, Solomon stops listening to God. Uh, God said, don't take many wives and don't take, uh, don't marry foreign women because he knew that he would then end up worshipping the foreign gods. Uh, and Solomon marries 700 women and has... And 300 concubines? 300, there's a thousand women. Yeah. How many children did he have? Don't know. So... That's like... Right. Give me a sec. I'm getting to the end. Um, so we can we can assume that he's having a lot of sex with a lot of different women. Um, but do we think that those do we think that those relationships are are properly intimate? Probably not. It's just it's just filling this void. You know, his his intimacy with God is gone. His relationship with God is is broken. And we were made to be in relationship with God. So when we're not, we try and fill the void for something. We try and look for meaning and fulfillment in life and in other things. And Solomon used wives. Um, and you might, you know, actually when your relationship with God is, is difficult and you're kind of oh, seeking something, it might be that you are seeking a romantic relationship. Like that is the thing for you. When I was a teenager, all I wanted was a boyfriend. Um, didn't happen. Um, <laughs> uh, or it might be power or control or money or something, you know, something. We can see it in the world all around us. Um, yes. Right, application. Got a few things to say about that. Uh, again, I'm going to... John Cusano? No. I'm not. <laughs> Value friendship. <laughs> Value friendship. So be in community and be present. Don't just be there. Engage with your church community. Engage with the community that we've built here. Engage with each other and work on your friendships. Like marriage, friendship isn't always easy. And that's okay, but you've got to work at them. If you, if, if you gave up on all your friendships when something got hard, you would have no intimate close friendships. And you, you I might- I don't have any friendships, Someone. Please edit out my name on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I've kind of done value, friendship, and be part of community. Trust in God. Walk in his ways. He loves you, and he wants good things for you. And he knows what those things are better than you do. And so I want you to think in this time that we're going to have in a minute about 
do you have an intimate relationship with God? And if not, why don't you seek one? Because he is seeking one with you. He wants to have an intimate relationship with you. He always has and he always will. And the final thing, which you might kind of go, why is that there? But when I was um, preparing for this talk, something that came up for me is that I need to put some pride aside. Um, so, yeah, it, it's very easy to get into the habit of thinking, I don't need anyone, anyone else. But I, I'm, I'm really good on my own. Like, I'm all right, thanks. I don't really need to share intimate things about my life with people. Um, and actually, that is a lie. It really is. It's not, it's not strong to be on your own and to not engage with community and to just think, I'm all right, thanks, mate. That just isn't what God wants for us and it's not good for us. Um, and I do think it can, you can get into a habit, I don't know, when you're single as well, to kind of go, well, I'm loving being single and this is great. And I'm not talking about intimate romantic relationships, but we can kind of use that thought process and apply it to our friendships. Like, well, I've been fine, you know, I don't have that one and only, so I'm actually fine, you know, I won't tell my bestie that, or I won't, you know, if that makes sense. So, I don't know if we're going to leave those up. I'm going to stop. I'm going to hit stop.